0: Okay, let's pray. Father, we want to thank you so much for an opportunity like this to come together in one accord to study about who you truly are and to have discussions about who we are in you. We thank you that we are gifted with revelation knowledge. We thank you that we have, Father, Lord, access into your deep things. We thank you so much that we are found in you having your righteousness. We are found in you being the light of the world. We are found in you being the love that this dying world is speaking for. And we are found in you, Heavenly Father, being the light. We thank you so much that at the end of this teaching, we get clarity through your word. Whatever is not of you okay, is rooted out. And we thank you so much that you hear us always. In Jesus' mighty name, I pray with thanksgiving. Amen. Amen. Okay. So on Wednesday, we continued with our sin and sin consciousness and we asked ourselves some questions. Does God allow sin? Does God inspire sin? Does God tolerate sin? And then we said, God does not tolerate sin. Um, uh, people ask that question does God tolerate sin because He forgives sin so we define it as He tolerates sin then we saw that He doesn't tolerate sin but to explain that we needed to answer what people normally say that God is just so we went into the Bible to look at the Greek word for the word justify as used in Romans and like we said it's the book of Romans that we start learning about doctrine Matthew, Mark, Luke and John the human, the record of the humanity of god jesus christ walking the earth is in matthew mark luke and john that you see that jesus slept jesus wept jesus was hungry you see that jesus exhibited human tendencies and in acts you see after he resurrected when the holy spirit came upon them the things they did getting to know jesus getting to understand all that he said getting to understand what the law and prophets meant so it was a baby church that is when we see the first small gathering of people to talk about jesus the one who walked the earth and so it was a baby church it doesn't have any doctrinal teachings in there from the book of romans is where we see doctrine where apostle paul begins to talk about righteousness justification sanctification uh, begin to talk about predestination it's in the book of romans that you see those things and a bit of galatians also speaks about righteousness justification sanctification and so the word justify in the Greek is the word dikaiou, dikaio. And we said that God is just. He pro- He's just because he provided a framework, a legal framework for his justice. Um, and we understood the fact that sin exists in a man's desire. An uncontrolled desire, which is called lust, is what causes sin. And when sin is fully conceived, it brings about death. And we understand that temptation is in a man's desire what you already desire is what you can be tempted with. So whether the temptation is coming from your fellow man or Satan, it is based on what you truly desire. If you are totally allergic to something or you don't like something or something detests you, it will be very hard for that thing to be used to tempt you. And we also got to understand by reading Romans 3, 20, 27, some of the most um, abused scriptures to understand that the verse 23 of Romans 20 that says that for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God is not in itself a conclusive statement. It was in context. Apostle Paul was saying something and he didn't end the statement, but this scripture is used a lot in the church to intimidate people, to make people feel bad, to make people feel they are not worthy. But then we see that Apostle Paul was talking about the fact that um, since there is no difference between the Greek and the Jews because all have sinned, the same way There is no difference because all can be made righteous by one man. And so our justification is on the legal grounds. In the verse 26 of Romans, we see that, that Christ Jesus or God Almighty had to be just in order to be able to justify. And then in the verse 27, it says, therefore, we cannot brag. We cannot boast because we didn't purchase justification or purchase freedom for ourselves. It is not by our actions, it is not by our deeds, it is not by our our self-efforts that we are justified. However, it is Christ that justifies us. And he speaks about the law of faith. And we see the law of faith is the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus and the perfect law of liberty. So God doesn't tolerate him. God is not saying sin is right. No, he's not. That is not the reason why he forgives your sins. And so today we are going to take our time to look at this famous word. I wish some people were on this call because this is a question that people normally ask. Just God is a just God. God is a just God. And so, when uh, uh, we shouldn't just talk about the loving side of God, He's a just God. He's the just God. The first time we see the word just was in Genesis, where um, 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 Sodom and Gomorrah was about to be just destroyed. And um, Moses said, Abraham said, Shall the just of the, shall the God Almighty, who is the the just God of the earth, not do right. It means God's attitude is good. He's good. So there is no evil found in him and he's just. It means God respects man's decision. Take note, God respects man's decision. He doesn't impose or superimpose. He does not force anybody. God does not force you and didn't make you a robot. And so when we say God is just, what does it mean? Now the Greek word for the word justify, dikai, means a judicial approval of someone or something and it is a legal term and I spoke to you about why Apostle Paul was the one who spoke a lot about these uh, justification and stuff because he himself was a lawyer he defended the law he was a scribe he himself practiced law for a very long time so you see Apostle Paul had a very peculiar ministry Father Paul was someone who would go and meet people either they were unbelievers or either they were uh, 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 people who practice Judaism, the Jews, who so much believed in the Torah, and he would debate with them. He will, I won't say argue per se, but he will present his 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 teachings, and then he will appeal to their thinking. That is why he defined his ministry as a ministry where he fought the good fight of faith, because his work was to appeal to people's mind and their mindset, and it was to change their mindset to make them understand that the law and the prophets were pointing to Christ Jesus. And so he was the one who spoke a lot about justification because Brother Paul from being a Pharisee and from being a master of the law understood the demands of the law and how the Jewish people, Judaism or the masters of the law expected of people, how they saw themselves to be very righteous because of their own deeds, because they were able to attain a certain level, they had the right to judge others. Paul himself understood what that means. So by encountering the revealed Christ on his way to Damascus was when he began to, you know, change his mindset. And now the law that he was so much bested in, the law that he understood, the law that he has studied, he was able by revelation of Jesus Christ to understand that the law and the prophet testified about Jesus. And so he was the one that really, together with John, a bit, Peter, together with Jude, uh, and, and and the rest of the uh, James, they were able to decode the Old Testament. They were able to tell us what it represented. Because Paul, for one, really, really had insight. Now, one of the things we should take note in learning about this sin and sin consciousness was that the Apostle Paul and the Apostles Peter, James, John, Jude, Timothy, and the rest, they didn't have the New Testament that we have now, because they wrote the New Testament, very important. There was no Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. There was no Romans, First Corinthians, Second Corinthians, Ephesians, Galatians, James, First uh, Colossians, First Thessalonians. 2. There was nothing like that. So their writings were an explanation of the Old Testament because that is what they had, and because they had encountered the revealed Christ. That is the 12 apostles who were 72 in the upper room they had received the holy spirit and paul had encountered the risen christ on the way to Damascus. they had the capacity to interpret the old testament it's very important to interpret the old testament and so they didn't just speak in a vacuum i've seen a vision i've seen this i've no they got insight into who christ was by interpreting the old testament very very important very important for us to know because that was what they had access to and that is exactly what jesus said in the book of john chapter 16 i have yet many things to say unto you but you cannot bear them now how be it when the spirit of truth comes he shall reveal things to come he shall show you more of who i am so the holy spirit testifies of jesus that is why apostle paul we can say authoritatively was able to interpret the Old Testament. This is very important in Bible study. So important in Bible study. You hear a lot of people saying that if God revealed things to Apostle Paul, that means, and James and Peter and the rest, that means he didn't reveal all to them. He's revealing more to us. No, he didn't just show them visions. No, they were interpreting the scriptures about it pointing to Christ. Because you see, there must be a common ground that we all must come up especially for us who say we believe the bible if we meet unbelievers and atheists who don't believe the bible fine but if they come on the basis of the bible we must really interpret it to them in the revelation or in the light of jesus christ if they don't come in that way since we are ambassadors of christ our love that we show which is christ jesus is what can appeal to them i just wanted to say this so that we, we we understand why we are studying the likes of the apostles very important so Peter himself said that we have inherited a, a, a faith that Jesus himself is the chief cornerstone Jesus is, is that the doctrine they call it the Apostles doctrine so if you read Acts a lot they call it the Apostles doctrine because the Apostles came to teach something that was very different from what those at that time knew from the Old Testament but then the Apostles themselves said their doctrine is not really their doctrine, it's Jesus, who is the chief cornerstone. So they had to lay some foundation that the scriptures point to Jesus and Jesus himself said it in John chapter 5 verse 39. And so we need this foundation to be able to explain and understand scriptures. So we are not just speaking, I, I, we don't gather every Wednesday, Saturday and Sunday and then talk about visions and what we think and what we feel and what we perceive no scripture pointing to christ what it says because this is where error is gotten from from the modern day church error error is gotten from the fact that everybody is trying to say their own thing and none of them want to let the scripture see what it's saying so they, they, they misquote they misquote the scriptures. Somebody can just pull something up and then let re- 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 rephrase it in his or her own way. Force his or her mentality into it and use it to teach and tell people things. No, it's very important. And in understanding sin and sin consciousness, teaching justification, you will see it in the Old Testament, how it's played role, how it's emerged. And it will give you a clearer understanding. So. Um, we, we know, we, we, we can see the word. Let's look at Romans. Our first scripture for today, let's look at um, the book of Romans, chapter 7, Romans 7, 1 to 4. Romans 7, 1 to 4. And I'll read the King James Version. Romans 7, 1 to 4. It says, Know ye not, brethren, for I speak to them that know the law. It is very, very instructive too to know that Apostle Paul and the New Testament, that is from, let's see, Acts of the Apostles all the way to Revelation, they spoke a lot about knowledge. Because you see, they had believed. They already believed in Christ. So when they go and meet believers, they don't talk about believe, believe. Or their letters to the churches were not believing because you already believe, you're a believer. So after believing, you need to have a knowledge of whom you have believed. So Apostle Paul really tackled the mindset of people because the battle is in the mind. It's our mind that is enslaving us. So he said, Know ye not, brethren, then Apostle Paul put in brackets, for I speak to them that know the law. How that the law had dominion over a man as long as he liveth. Two, for the woman which had an husband is bound by the law to her husband. So long as he liveth. But if the husband be dead, she is loosed from the law of her husband. So then, if while her husband liveth, she be married to another man, she shall be called an adulteress. But if her husband be dead, she is free from that law, so that she is no adulteress, though she be married to another man. Verse 4. Wherefore, my brethren, ye also are become dead to the law by the body of Christ, that ye should be married to another, even to him who is raised from the dead, that we should bring forth fruit unto God. So, this scripture, Apostle Paul is not talking about marriage, or about widows, or about divorce, or the death of a woman's husband is rather using that to explain something. And that is why in the verse in the verse 1. You see, we are doing exegesis in the verse 1. He said, for I speak to them that know the law. Because some of them might not know the law and think that when your husband dies, stay forever. Or when your husband dies, you cannot marry. Or even when your husband is alive, you can't come. No, he was targeting those who know the law. So he was using a scenario concerning marriage and your husband's death or whoever is married, a widow, to explain our relationship with the law. So apostle Paul is saying that if a woman is married and the husband is alive, she cannot go and marry another man. That was the Jewish law. I said in studying scripture, we must understand the history, the culture. The woman cannot go and marry another man. However, when the man is dead, because if the man is alive and the woman goes to marry another man, she's an adulteress. However, when the man is dead, then the woman is at liberty to marry another man. And then in the verse 4, he explains what he's trying to say. He said, "Ye also have become dead to the law by the body of Christ, that ye should be married to another, even to him who is raised from the dead, That we should bring forth fruit unto God. We are still looking at the law and upholding the law, which means most of us that still believe firmly in the law and practices the law at the same time believe in Christ Jesus. We are committing adultery big time. Because you see, the two does not work hand in hand. Let me explain this because. You need to understand this to understand justification. Jesus became a curse for the law in order to fulfill the law and abolish it. So you cannot hold on to the law and hold on to Jesus at the same time. This is where most of our confusion is. Jesus said in John 5, in Luke 5, we saw it, He came to fulfill the law so that you will not have to meet the demands anymore. So he fulfilled it and buried by his own body as a man. By his own body as a man. He fulfilled it. And he died and rose again so that he can work the law in you. You don't work it. Because you don't have what it takes to work it. If you could work it, he didn't need to come. And so you cannot accept Jesus and still go back to look at the law. Because the law imputes sin. Christ took it away. Why do you focus on it again? And I know it's hard because from childhood, sin, 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 sin. And so it is hard for the born again believer to believe that he has dominion over sin. Very hard because our being for 20 something years, at least I'm talking for myself, we have been indoctrinated with sin, sin, sin. And so that has engulfed us. And what you are conscious of, you have a tendency of always doing. It's like Job, when we analyze Job, he said, What I fear the most has happened to me. He feared. That his children had committed sin and therefore they will face the consequences of their sin. So even if anything happens, well, they blame it, he blames it on the fact that his children are suffering the consequences of sin. Because sin has eaten into our fabric, the doctrine, what we have heard, what we have been taught. Sometimes we even idolize people because in our mind we think they are perfect, they don't sin. So then our yastic or the foundation or our basis. For who we are as born again believers is not Christ. It is either somebody who we think is self righteous or the law, which is how can I meet all the criteria of the law? So we take Christ Jesus out of the picture. But if you could meet it, you didn't have to come. Very important. Let's look at something also in Romans chapter 6, verse 1. Romans chapter 6, verse 1. And I'll correct an error here. This thing too is what people used to preach to scare people. I'll correct an error here, misconception. Romans 6 verse 1, I'm reading the King James Version. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? I read again. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Then they use this to scare you, that you have to do whatever you can to stop sin. no apostle paul didn't say shall we continue to sin he said shall we continue in sin he's tackling a nature he's tackling a nature he's not tackling an action because you do because you are never forget this that is why it's hard i battled it too. so now i'm not coming to speak here like oh i never battled it no i battled it believing that the born again believer has dominion over sin and has to overcome sin because Christ overcame sin, not because you are overcoming it. It is very hard. But it is hard because we have not been taught. And we have not become conscious of it. We have not been made aware of it. Apostle Paul says, shall we continue in sin? So that grace may abound. Because you cannot be married to sin and be married to grace at the same time. It doesn't work that way. It's adultery. Like he explained in verse 7. It's not possible. We cannot uphold sin and uphold grace. Somebody will say, why are you you comparing sin to the law? It means you didn't listen to our past messages. Go back and listen. It has been uploaded. The law imputes sin. The law imputes sin. So the law goes with sin. The law imputes sin. So that is why we are talking about being in sin. We are no more in sin. So look at the verse 2. Of Romans chapter six, he says, "God forbid. God forbid it. How shall we, that are dead, to sin, live any longer therein?" Oh, come on. Let me explain this to you. If you are dead, let's say they say somebody is dead to something, a dead body. Let me give these examples. And pardon me, our listeners, everybody, pardon me. If a dead person is dead, lying in the grave, and you bring a naked woman. The dead person is dead. If a dead person is dead and you bring fried rice, jollof rice, $1 billion, the person is dead. That is why Apostle used that word. This death means the physical death that we are talking about. If the person is dead, he is dead to sin. How does one become dead to sin? By being in Christ and knowing you are in him. I know questions are popping up. So are you saying if you are in him, still you cannot sin, still you cannot sin what if you sin because that is how we be broken and I will explain all that as we go on I will make you understand why you are thinking that and even when you do that what happens we are going on so he goes on also in the verse 3 to say that know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus not with water pay attention know ye now look at in the verse 1 he uses no verse 2 no verse 7 8 chapter 7 no Even verse 6 of that same scripture, no, no, no. It is a knowledge. It is a knowledge problem, my people. It is a knowledge problem. He says, know ye not that so many of us were baptized into Christ Jesus, were baptized into his death. So he assumed your sin. And he died with it. So together you died with him. You see, it's the Greek word, together. Inseparable union. It's the Greek word together. So you died together with Him. Our relationship with Christ Jesus is by identification. That is what we mean by the born again believer. It's by identification. We identify with Him because we have received Him and believe in Him. That knowledge should be there. That is why a born again believer knows no boundaries. Because Christ Jesus knows no boundaries. When I receive Him, I have passed from death to life. I have a newness of life. I relate with Him. It's an identification, it's a relationship. That is why when Jesus walked on earth, he never called God, God, until he was hung on the cross and said, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? That was the only time he called God, God. All the time he called him father, father, father. It's a father-son relationship. You see, coming on a father-son relationship, and if you have a good father, God is a good father, hallelujah. Coming on that terms, make you really understand who you are in Christ. Because if you call him Jehovah Nisi, Jesus never referred to God as Jehovah. You can search the entire synoptics. Jehovah Nisi, Jehovah Rohi, Jehovah Shammah. Jeho- no! Because he had a deeper understanding of who he was and who his father is. He, know, he, he knew he was his father. You see, if God is God to you as a creator, you get the result of you thinking God is God to you as a creator. But if he's a father to you, it's a different relationship. You see, it's a deep it's a deep thing. You identify with him. Your sources from him. And so this thing is by identification. That is why it's a belief. That is why he doesn't impose it on you. It's your choice. Believe your choice. So he says that we have died with him. We were baptized into his death. Now look at the verse 4. Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death. That's like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so, we also should walk, walk in the newness of life. You walk in the newness of life. You believe, you know, and you walk as such, understanding that he has worked in you, so you work. You don't work by your own. We walk in the newness of life. The Christian, or this born-again experience, is a walk. We walk in it. We walk in the newness of life very super important then look at the verse five for if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection six i love this scripture. knowing that knowing this that our old man is crucified with him that the body of sin might be destroyed that henceforth we should not serve sin if you know you are not of it it gives you some power and authority very very important this is important to understand the justification that i'm coming to explain because the day you got born again your marriage with sin died it was terminated it was completely terminated so the word justify is that the judge is judging based on a judicial ground he has a legal framework we see something also in second corinthians 5.21 to explain that the work jesus did concerning the law let's look at the last one in second corinthians 5.21 very famous scripture one of my favorite scriptures actually the entire second corinthians 5 is powerful second corinthians 5.21 21 says for we for he had made him to be sin for us who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. so Christ knew no sin but he became a sin for us so that we will be his righteousness identification and substitution he took my place so I take his place fair legal grounds now I'm gonna explain that situation my god fair legal grounds very fair legal grounds now listen when the judge declares in your favor when he says you are free you are acquitted according to the laws of the earth ghana america uh, uk wherever when the judge declares you free you are free you are free in the eyes of many you are free but you yourself can tell yourself you are still in bondage when the judge declares you free you are free But you must also decide as to whether you want to be free forever or still stay the same way you are. Super important. So, the judge does not defend you based on a bias. No. No. Adam made his choice. So, we inherited his nature. By default, we didn't all do what we did, but we became saints. And we were supposed to suffer death, be separated from God. And so everything points to the fact. And Moses came to introduce the law as well. So that also imputes the fact that we are inadequate, we are falling short. Then we go before the judge. And we are guilty. We need to be condemned. The word is condemnation. Then someone who has not committed the sin that you committed you see this is what also explains the humanity of christ jesus because he didn't make a choice it was humanity that made a choice so to be able to go on a legal framework the same human being has to suffer the consequence you can't take a spirit to come and suffer the consequence so another person comes and says He is guilty all right, as charged. But you see, I want to stand in his stead. I will suffer everything that he's meant to suffer. I didn't do it. I know nothing about it, yes. But I will suffer. I will take his place. So let him go. Put all the said punishment or the consequences based on his choice on me. And let him go. Set him free. Let him go. I'll take it up on myself. So fine. God agrees you have sinned. He agrees it. He, you, have, you have made a choice. When I say you are I me, mean Adam, you, you maybe specifically you didn't disbelieve God. You made a choice. Fine. Suffer the consequence. However, I will I will set the sentence for him. If it's a death penalty, I will. He needs to die. Yes, I'll. I'll, I'll take care of him. Let him be free. And you should understand that only secure people can secure others. Only confident people can help others be confident. That is why a man who has not found himself in Christ cannot help. Another person that much to discover who is in Christ. So I said, the tragedy we have a lot is that we have people who have not been taught, who have not really come to the knowledge teacher. So if I feel condemned, then I have a low self-esteem. That is what I will distribute to my friends and family. You need to understand this very well. <laughs> Excuse me. So Christ took our place, according to what Apostle Paul is saying. He took our place. So then in Romans, he says, just the, the same way that by Adam, we all had a certain consequence for his decision. The same way by Christ, we all have a certain consequence. But you see, you were not made a robot. You say you are hungry. I have cooked for you. I cannot by force force you and put the food in your mouth. Let's say even you didn't know you were hungry. You didn't know you were hungry. But indeed, you were hungry. But you didn't know you were hungry. Or you were hungry. You didn't ask for food. Then I cook for you. And I put it in front of you. You have a choice to say you eat it or not eat it. Or stay in your hunger. Very important. And so, when we talk about Satan, let me use it in the context that we all know. Satan. Satan has no moral right to condemn you. Because you didn't sin against him. Listen very well. I'm explaining all justification. And we back them by a lot of scriptures. Satan has no moral right to condemn you because you didn't sin against him. You didn't reject Satan. No. Adam rejected Christ, not Satan. So, he has no moral right to condemn you. the only person that has the right to condemn me is god but he chooses not to condemn you and so the accuser of the brethren comes on the basis of the law and says that he was unable to do these things which helps the god who claims himself humanity because if you study the ten commandments very well the first four also are towards god and then the rest is towards humanity that is why jesus summed it up love god love your neighbor as yourself and summed it up to love so he says he did all these things according to this code. so he's guilty sentence him then someone comes and says Hey, yes, indeed, he did all this. But he doesn't have what it takes to fulfill all this. I'll fulfill it on his behalf. Let him go. Very, very important. So we really have to understand this. The person who can condemn condemn you chose to die for you. The person who can condemn you chose to die for you. So therefore, nobody has the right to condemn you except yourself. Very, very important. i like to end here. I wouldn't go on and on and on. But in summary, we are looking at justification, God being a just God, whether he tolerates sin. And uh, we've looked at the legal framework. Tomorrow is questions and answers and discussion. But on Wednesday, we also go into the Old Testament and even look at, after Adam made his choice, and he was suffering the consequence. What substitutions and or what ordinances per their culture were they practicing? What did it mean? And why were they doing that? Very important. So we are understanding that God didn't cut corners. He didn't just by the snap of his fingers change things. Because if you listen to our Wednesday teachings, his plan never failed. His plan about it, So he wasn't in a hurry to bring things back to normal. No. He still had a plan. Very important. So I will end here at 6.45. I wouldn't want to bombard you with a lot of information. Let's ask questions, share your contribution. When you ask your question and you are unable to answer it today, tomorrow during the discussion, questions and answers, we will tackle it. So it's time for questions and answers let's ask questions and share our thoughts and contributions let's make it a nice discussion for the next 40 minutes okay let me hear you who has anything to say hello yeah okay, we can hear you
1: oh okay all
2: right thanks for the (laughs) <laughs> nice submission. <laughs> so, I'm just reading right now. Let me, let me say it this way. So, I've understood everything that has been spoken about with regards to the justification of God. Um, but usually in the context that people also place the justification of God is not from this angle, but rather that the people who... Um, so to speak, do not submit to the sacrifice that um, Christ made, are actually condemned. And so, um, you always hear when Christians are talking that um, the people die in the world versus us. uh, And if you are not saved, um, I don't know, like you are condemned and stuff like that um, if you look at revelation 20:15, it says anyone whose name was not found written in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire and so this is like the justification now um, people also talk about like the ways in which you are living are going to cost you in future or when god comes and that is it's, it's like the way you behave or your sins will eventually catch up with you and God will punish you for it. If not now, um, your name will not be written because you are you are a sort of a vagabond and you have not born again, basically. And for that matter, you will receive the replications of your, your actions, which is the justice of God. So God will not allow somebody who... Um, has lived his life anyhow and did not accept the sacrifice of his, of his blood to just enter into heaven and that's what i'm um, referring to like in revelations where um you are basically cast into fire because um yeah because you didn't submit or your name was not found uh, in the book of life hmm.
0: very very interesting question and submission um, anybody has something to say about that. But, but before that um, that you know there's a f- common statement God punishes those who do not accept Him. that to me sounds like a compulsion by force accept me if not I'll punish you so that's what religion has made us believe I, I'm just saying anybody has a take or any question or answers for what NK said or if you have a whole new question to ask but if you have anything to say concerning what M.K. said, M.K. is saying that he, and we'll get there, we are building a case of justification, but M.K. is saying when people talk about justice or justification or whatever, they are, they are talking about the fact that if you do not accept Christ, you suffer the consequences, he will punish you. So he quoted Revelation twenty fifteen, that says, and whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. And so... If God doesn't write your name, like when I was in Sunday school, they made me say you have to do your best so that God will notice you and write your name. If God doesn't write your name, you will go into the lake of fire. So that's what they, they are trying to say. Anybody has anything to say concerning that? Or if you have a whole new question to ask. Yeah, I thought Rodney wanted to say
3: something.
1: Hey. Um uh, Emma. Yeah. Hello. Good evening, guys. Yeah, Good so evening. about MK's question. I think we need to auto tomu it because from the way it looks and the English, the way the English is direct, I think that's, maybe there might be another explanation for it because someone, you go up to someone and try and explain to him the loving kindness of God and the person just shoves the scripture in your face. What do you do? <laughs> you Interesting. That's- as in what meant, what that scripture actually meant, and what John, the position John was in when he had the revelation, and what, why he had the revelation in the first place, and okay. who does the revelation apply to, does it apply to all of us, does it apply to, what part applies to us, and we have to examine all these things.
2: I don't know, this is to everybody. I think it's straightforward, isn't it? I mean, it seems to me that it's straightforward. It's either you're in or you're not. And if you're not, you're you're cast. <laughs> By uh, God. <laughs> I mean it, that's what I'm saying. It's pretty direct. it's it, it's like um yeah, God God is love. The entire
0: scripture that we read, you no, know, they never mentioned God cast them into the lake
2: of fire. Uh Usually, you see, if you are trying to make a sale to somebody, you don't um, tell the person <laughs> the bad side of the, <laughs> of the contract. You have to lead with, with the best to get the person convinced. right? So, of course, it's not going to say, like, follow me or die. But it's like, this is the benefit of actually following me. You know your eyes will be enlightened and there is this kingdom that i'm being you are being invited into and let later on when there are followers and then now you start talking about how um, there's this other kingdom that is not really favorable and that if you're not a part of mine then yeah more fire for you <laughs> Yeah. I think Patrick oh, wants to say something. Can you tell oh, the
3: city uh, hello, guys.
0: Hi, Patrick. Uh,
1: hello, Patrick.
3: Yeah. So, I think a lot of the times, or probably, we haven't put in our mind to what the whole thing is all about. Our journey as Christians and everything is about what the suffering. If you read the news every day, it's almost like these are every. The very soil is even calling for salvation. Mm. Everybody wants solution, like things are getting bad everything. There should be a solution. What we haven't put in our mind to this This is like a training ground for us we have a bigger thing to do which is we need to restore this thing back believe it or not he says when the apostles went to him and asked him we followed you for all this while. Uh, what do we get in return? he told them "Uh, when I come back you all will be ruling with me we are to rule and to make things right Uh, the book of Isaiah predicts that, that the nations would be reconciled. How do we do that through the kingdom? It talks about Egypt and Israel working hand in hand with Syria and all these things. It's important that we know that whatever we do here actually would determine whether we get a north into the kingdom or not because we are going to do a work. And You have not been a soldier who have shown yourself approved. Why do I give you the mantle? You can't do whatever you want and feel that I should give you a job. You say whatever you want, you don't act according to my instructions and you think I should give you a job. You obviously will ruin things. So it's important. I think this is not We don't don't have to talk too much about this. Uh, We have a life to live. And it's a, we are the law, but not necessarily like Moses' law or something, but even the nature has its own law equality. We have to love love our own neighbors. We, need to, we are called to higher standards. We can't do anything that we want and expect that uh, grace or something. Of course, God is not a tyrant, but we need to live a good life too. Even a, a man told God, oh, "I know. Uh, probably I'm saying too
1: much. Uh, That's what I think." Yeah. Nice,
0: but I. Nice um, question. Okay. I want to say something. All right,
4: Adwina, please go ahead. Please, um, just just wondering, from what um, um, he just said, when we die. When we die and we go to heaven, are we going to work again?
3: <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, <laughs> I understand your perspective, But I think this uh, time and time the scripture has never told you
4: explicitly
3: that you are going to heaven. Has it?
4: No, it, the scripture has never said when I die. It says that when I die, so from the religious point of view, when I die, when I go, there's no pain, there's no sorrow, there's no work, there's nothing, it's just enjoyment, it's just joy and happiness. All I'm going to go going to do is to sing hallelujah, hallelujah. So if if okay. that is the reward, if that is the reward at the end of the day that I am going to sing Hallelujah, Hallelujah when I die, then What is the um, reward system that is going on that I don't even know how to put it.
3: Okay, I get your question. Let me excuse the scripture and read it with you, just a few seconds. Yeah, so it's in Isaiah chapter 2, verse 4. And Isaiah, if, 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 if you are a Christian, you probably know more about Isaiah. He's one of the prophets who prophesies most about the end of things or how the kingdom will come. And he says, He will judge between the nations and all, and will settle disputes for many peoples. They will beat their souls into. Cloud shares and their spears into pruning box. Nation will not take up sword against nation, nor will they train for war anymore. I don't think this is happening. What we probably haven't put in our mind to is in Revelation, it talks about a millennial, which is a thousand years ruled by Christ and Maybe we have a... Uh, it's a wrong thing that probably uh, we need to talk more single, unambiguous or uh, scripture which tells you that you go to heaven and you go and sing hallelujah or something I don't think mm-hmm. there's one scripture in there that tells that
4: No, I'm just... I'm not saying that I'm, like, I'm saying it from a religious point of view that when, when we go to heaven, like right now you're saying that there's a revelation side that says that there's going to be a new millennium. Are you saying that yeah. um, at that point in time of our life that we are dead? And in the Bible it says uh, after death there's judgment. So right when I died the judgment came. So I went to some place to go and stay there for some time and then waited for that new millennium to come. Then came back into the world and came to now stay in the new millennium where Christ is um, ruling. That's where my, my, my yes, okay. conclusion is. Because you want when to I go die, to there's going it. to be a judgment. No, no, no. I'm not when I die, I know that from the Bible, when I die, there's judgment. But now you're saying yes. that there's going to be another judgment too. So I'm dead. God has judged me once. He has said that I have passed the mark. Now, before I come back to the okay. new millennium, He is judging again. Now,
3: I get it. I get it. Paul, in one of his writings, said, don't you know that you believers are going to move the world?
4: Now... Yeah, I I get that, but that is when I'm living, not when I'm dead.
3: Yes, the problem we have with religion and Christianity now is the eschatology part. I think we've gotten a lot of things wrong with eschatology.
4: Please, can you explain yeah. eschatology? Okay, means yeah, the I'll, end time. What
2: happens when you die? Like, like, uh, like, okay,
4: okay.
3: Right. That's the
2: Okay. That's the well, Maybe, now, Patrick, I think maybe what would be easier for, I guess, the conversation is if um, maybe you could just submit your worldview in, like, one minute.
3: My worldview
2: do you understand my point of view yeah no, no 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 that's like how you how you understand like the whole um, how maybe spirituality or christianity what it actually
3: means the whole journey okay so yeah. i see it here as a training ground for a much more great can so, you hear me? We are not here by chance or by anything. I think it's all fixing to
4: bring
3: this world back into its original purpose to religion. Because man is destroying it. There are a lot of things going on. Humans are hating on each other. There's black and white racism. Things. I think things need to be better. And it makes perfect sense when it states in the Bible that there will, there will be a resurrection of both the righteous and the unrighteous. He also says Christ is the firstborn of a new creation.
1: The mm-hmm. new creation.
3: I believe that. And we Christians would get the opportunity to work hand in hand with Christ, to change things, to bring things back to normal, where the Bible says, even the... Lions and the leopards who play with their children and they not
0: them. Okay, Patrick, so if, if I'm getting you right, you are saying that um here is a training ground for what's to come. So when the Bible says we are the first fruits and stuff, it is what we will be, not what we are now.
3: Some of the things they spoke about the future, like it's happening now, it happens a lot in the Bible.
0: Okay, so if I'm understanding you, it's like there's a real battlefield, but this is the training ground for the battlefield. So, the world will be restored and everything. And right now, we are in a training ground waiting for that battlefield.
3: Right now, it's to pick who would work and who would not believe. Okay, so those who
0: believe and those who do as God says will partake Uh-ruh. in the Uh-ruh. Yes, Uh-ruh oh okay okay yes uh MK, do, do you know mk i i get yeah, it i get it
4: i, I get it, just, I get it. Um, but but it's it's, it's getting me yeah. more even more confused wow <laughs> yeah i know it. But no because because i'm much. saying that because i'm saying that because it's it's getting me more confused because it's just so this is the training ground for every um this thing every christian right from your point of view um as this is the training ground we we transform into if you if you believe and obey god you become a a, um, um so it's like you enter into the military the day that you believe and trust in god you enter into the military, you become, you start training for a battle. You start training for the you battle, know, you start training. I'm
3: trying, to, I'm trying to say, we all, whether you believe or not, are in training. Okay. Those who pass are those who obey okay. their lost, and those who fight the good fight.
4: Oh, okay okay so when you so say laws, you just,
3: laws or the yeah. laws of god or what at the laws of you won't i didn't get the question if you said
0: those who obey the laws and those who fight the fight of it do you, be, do you mean the law that you are saying do you mean which type of law are you talking about
3: uh, i'm not referring the law of moses uh, we are held to a higher law by our new King, who is Christ. Okay.
4: So what, and what, what, said, what, what law is that? Sorry.
3: The, one of the greatest things is to love your neighbor as yourself. Some people can be very intimidating, some people can be really pissed, but you are still to love them. I don't think that's oh, okay. an easy task. Okay. Again. And sure. we are told to love the Lord our God with all our hearts with all our you know how it feels like watching in, somebody telling you to watch your fire when you know it will end okay you need a lot of faith uh, this is... there are two things that I'm
2: wondering now um, yeah really interesting perspective um,
4: yeah.
2: two things that I'm wondering like right now especially in relation to my question just so that we don't uh, deviate too much I just wanted you know um, we need to just share our views and get each other's uh, perspective and learn from each other so um, what i i understand so far is um pretty clear that like everybody is on a journey and um, where we would have like full manifestations once the chosen people have you know sort of adhered to their quote-unquote rules and regulations are fit to rule by christ um over over the the world or the nations and um, two things that are missing for me is like one what's what the role of christ was um in coming in the first place like especially if um we, we have been in training um since the beginning even through to jesus christ came um by like your your point of view or world view uh, we have been in training so what specific role did jesus christ um play in this um worldview that that's um, you hold uh, so, so
0: quick one we, we need to be mindful of time i love where the discussion is going is it okay
2: if we continue tomorrow on where like tomorrow on where we stop today
1: yeah, no problem.
2: I will not have a follow-up. Just at least give Patrick a chance to um, complete his thoughts. Oh, okay. So, should we we, 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 we... we can do that tomorrow, right? No, what I'm saying is like, Patrick was made way, so you can just let him complete. I won't have a follow-up. We can continue oh, okay. tomorrow. Okay, Patrick, you, but,
3: you have the... Okay, so you wanted to know the the role of Christ in this whole thing.
2: Yeah, since we are uh, in training and justified by like our actions,
3: what was Christ's role? Now, we all had one leader who was supposed to lead us uh, in this world and the creation of God who was Adam. But Adam, Adam couldn't take up that responsibility. And let it slide. God had an alternative thing that is to take one of the seeds of Adam. The scripture says the seed of the woman will bruise your feet, and will bruise you, you bruise the feet, and you will uh, hit you on the head. That's something. Yeah. Uh, after. Uh, the wall went wrong, the that is actually a, a sign of Christ, he is the seed of the world, that is that you don't want to hear from God again, you want to hear from God. God told Moses, I will raise up a prophet like unto you. Should that, uh, David came and God promised David, "I will give the kingdom to the offspring." Of course, when you go to Israel now, you wouldn't see David's offspring ruling. That should tell us that it's a spiritual thing, and it is not something that was supposed to happen immediately. But it would happen sometime or something. And I believe that Christ was supposed to fulfill that part. Is our new change, is our new desire. Is the one who is taking up the field responsibility of Adam, the second Adam. And he came to die to show us the path, how we should be paid, how we should take the whole thing seriously to the expense of giving up our life for this very faith that we have. So, if he... If you want to know how it fits there's a faith is, this is a piece of He's a leader. He's the man who God told the truth to the last time.
2: Wow. Okay. I'm noticing that Christ and God are two different people at the moment, but we'll continue tomorrow. Yeah. So, interesting right. discussion.
0: This is how I want tomorrow to be, guys. Please, tomorrow, I won't talk. i meet my mic. Let's have this discussion. Tomorrow, same time, 6 p.m. Bring all your questions, bring all your contributions for one hour. Let's have a wonderful discussion tomorrow. Uh,
4: hello, I'm, I'm Yes. Please, before you come, please, you have to also look for scriptures for where um we'll be working after we die. I am very concerned about that.
2: <laughs> tomorrow, there's discussion.
0: So. Discussion. So,
3: have so, me, I. Have yeah, Patrick, go ahead.
0: So I think Patrick will share those scriptures with us and tomorrow we'll go into those. Uh okay. So um let's 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 pray. Um Father, in the name of Jesus, we want to thank you so much for a wonderful time like this. We thank you so much, Father Lord, that we have access into who you truly are. And we are having Father Lord meaningful discussions about what who you truly are. We thank you that Heavenly Father we are found in you completely justified, completely secured, having your righteousness. We thank you that, Father Lord, we are your ambassadors here on Christ. And we thank you, Father Lord, God Almighty, that we have a relationship with you. And that relationship is based on your finished work. This and many more we ask and thank you that you hear us always. In Jesus' mighty name I pray. Amen. Okay.
2: So okay. tomorrow is
0: going to be wonderful. I can't wait for tomorrow. See you guys. Bye. Have a wonderful evening. Bye. You too.
3: Bye.